At age 19, I was not happy because, you know, like many of us, I had grown up in a sort of dysfunctional household without a lot of happiness. And I felt intuitively, gosh, there's got to be some other way. And when I heard about meditation and the fact that you had a much bigger, deeper part of yourself that you could tap into when you become more still inside, it just made sense to me. Hey, my friends, this is Nishant and welcome to the Nishan Gurg Show. This is a podcast about helping you live a fulfilled life. The mission of the show is to spread mindfulness awareness. And my job on the show is to invite world-class experts to extract the practices, routines, and habits to help you live a fulfilled and abundant life. Today's guest is Liz Lewinson. Liz Lewinson's senior executive career spans public relations, Wall Street technology, and nonprofit management. She is the award-winning author of American Buddhist Rebel, Women, Meditation, and Power, The Power of the Loving Man. She is a longtime practitioner and teacher of meditation and mindfulness. In this episode, Liz goes deep into explaining meditation, the power of loving man, difference between rebel and spiritual conformist, the right way to have masculinity, and much more. Please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Liz. Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to have you. There are many places where I would like to start. I'm thinking, should we start with your books? Should we start with meditation? Where would you like to start from? Well, if you would like, we could start with meditation because I think meditating yes. is foundational. Let's do it. So. Tell us your experience on meditation. How did you get into meditation and why? I, I started meditation so many years ago. I was 19 and I was, so I'll date myself already, but that's okay because I love my age. I was in Berkeley and everyone was taking a huge amount of drugs and I didn't want to take a lot of drugs. And so I thought I have to do something that makes me cool. <laughs> so at that time, transcendental meditation was going around. And so I went to a talk. I was so, I actually loved it. I learned to meditate that way. And I remember just being so hopeful that it would work because you don't know when you first start to meditate, really, if it's going to work or not. And I remember about three weeks of meditating twice a day and doing this, the TM method, which I don't think is the only way anymore, by the way. But I, you know, at the time, a great way to start. And just having this sense after three weeks of something bubbling up inside of me that was very like fresh, like a new person was showing up inside, a lovely, happy new person that wasn't the other person that I had been. And that pretty much got me hooked on continuing. And so uh, the good thing about Transcendental Meditation, among other things, is that it really emphasizes twice a day. So I was meditating twice a day pretty much from the age of 19 to the present time. And that's almost uh, five decades. And 
I, of course, my meditation experience is hugely different now. And, but it's never stopped being valuable, not only internally, but also externally, and the way my life has unfolded. At the age of 19, how did you realize that you have to learn meditation or practice meditation? Because at the age of 19, personally, I don't know what I was doing, and I didn't know anything. <laughs> well, again, I was sort of desperate not to be, you know, a, a, a drug. People were taking too many drugs back then, and I was seeing some of my friends literally just spacing out and losing it. So, like I said, I was motivated to be cool, but I was also motivated, even at age 19, to be happy. And at age 19, I was not happy because, you know, like many of us, I had grown up in a sort of dysfunctional household without a lot of happiness. And I felt intuitively, gosh, there's got to be some other way. And when I heard about meditation and the fact that you had a much bigger, deeper part of yourself that you could tap into when you become more still inside, it just made sense to me. I was never, and to the present day, I'm not a big believer that all we are is the conscious and the subconscious. <laughs> to me, that's just a couple of superficial layers that there's a it's like this reservoir inside and it's of light, truly. It's pure light. It's very, truly infinite awareness that is inside every person. You can tap into it when you meditate, but it takes a little time. So I believed that and I did believe it from age 19, Nishan, and I got into the habit of twice a day meditation at that age. And even though I didn't stay, I stuck with, well, this is interesting too. So I was with Transcendental Meditation for 11 years, and I went to India. I went to Rishikesh, India to become a teacher. And I loved being a teacher of TM. And there's a very nice way that it is taught through this traditional Indian ceremony called the puja. And I love doing that. And really, it, I think there is a cycle, though. You can, some people will stay their whole life. But for me, it was a, that cycle where I went through their program and I loved it. And then I kind of came out of that cycle. And I realized that I was ready to go out on my own and not have that association and uh, I remember thinking at the time, and I, I don't need another teacher. I'm just going out on my own. <laughs> and I did do that. But I also, within six months, met another teacher who was a Buddhist teacher and who I studied with also for many years. And that is a different story. Again, I wrote, I wrote about it in American Buddhist Rebel. I, my life, you might say, some people's lives is all about marriages and kids and this you know, relation, this, all kinds of things. I have had many experiences along those lines, but I would say that my life is, and my meditation life is all about first learning one way to meditate and then learning all these different new ways to meditate. But the theme that holds it all together is deepening experiences in meditation. I would love to ask you, who introduced you to meditation at the age of 19? Well, I actually never questioned it from the day I started it, but I've always been aware of the research. And the research is fabulous right now because it has become so commonplace. So we know that the research on meditation 
says that it will reduce your stress. It actually is very good for your health because your stress level and your health, as COVID is illustrating, are completely related. So the more stress you have, the less health you have, the less you have your immune system is impacted by your stress. So by releasing stress through meditation, you're building your whole health level, and it's been proven over and over. It's been proven that all your skills actually increase through meditation. And that's why sports people like to meditate because they can focus better on whatever it is they're doing. Almost any aspect of life that gets tested from you know your mental skills, your social skills, everything is better. Why? Because remember this, I tried to say this, meditation is just a word. Let's call it, you know, socks and neckties. <laughs> just, just throwing that out. Instead of calling it meditation, because meditation, people have a little bit of a knee jerk to that sometimes. They go, oh, I don't know, that's probably for other people, not me. But actually, every time anybody through sports or running sometimes or just being out in nature goes into a quieter, more still place, that's a natural ability, and that's what meditation, quote-unquote, is all about. So the research about meditation and mindfulness is incredible to show that it's beneficial to every aspect of your life. So right now, people need it more than they ever have because you only have to open a newspaper, and I actually try to avoid the news. I, I Right now, I keep it just enough to be aware of what's going on at a high level. But when you read about the stories, many of them really are designed to create a fear factor. That's true. And a panic factor. So let's say you're sitting there, you're going along, minding your own business, and all of a sudden you're gripped with those feelings. Well, guess what? Those feelings do lower your immune system. It's, it's a vicious circle. And the way, the best way, to get out of it is, well, there's a bunch, there's a few things I would do, a few jumping jacks right then, <laughs> build your energy lo level up. But also, as soon as you can, I would wash my face, I would go, I would sit to meditate, and uh, there's many different ways to meditate. You, I teach them in my books, there's, there's so many ways. I don't say there is one way, because your goal is to focus intensely on something and by having that focus intensely on one thing to the extent you can, that's the goal. And then you let go into stillness. It's very hard to let yeah, go yeah. from yakety yakety. You just let go. When you do that, you help reduce your stress level and your body knows it. And all that energy that just got drained right out of you simply by reading the paper, going into fear, will start to come back. I think diet is related. They are saying that diet's related to COVID. Meditation may or may not help you get a good diet, <laughs> but I think it'll become more aware of yourself and how you respond to certain foods, to certain people, and to certain places. And if you want to have the energy that it takes to have a high meditation, then I think you find over time you become more discriminating. 
I would like to ask you that in the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned that there are many forms or many kinds of meditation. So what kind of meditation did you start with in the, at the age of 19 and what kind of meditation you do now? Okay, a good question. I started with mantra meditation. A mantra is a sound. This is my TM days whose effect is known. And the idea is that you, when you sit and close your eyes, you introduce a mantra and you say it throughout your meditation. It has a certain vibration. And that I did that for 11 years. And Could you, could you give us uh, any instance of that mantra that you used? Well, I can't say anything that I taught through TM because... I'm a really honest person. And uh, first of all, they're all online. <laughs> so you don't do you just search it. I can't say it because when I became a teacher, I took some kind, not a vow, but you know, I said I wouldn't share them. So the answer is you can't learn that from me, but by searching online. However, I don't even recommend mantra meditation. You know why? Wow. It doesn't take you very deep and you will struggle a lot more with your thoughts and here's something that I, the TM Bunch says, I think they probably still say this, which is absolutely false, it's not true. And that is that all your thoughts are release of stress. No, hun, they're not. <laughs> they're just thoughts. They're, they're not release of stress because then you could go through meditation after meditation, just daydreaming and maybe say your mantra once or twice. This is back to the TM days. All you're doing is spacing out. And your memory is going to start to go and all kinds of great things. Why? Because you're not really meditating correctly. And you shouldn't think that your thoughts are really a stress or that they're even more important than your other thoughts. They're just thoughts. The best advice is just to ignore them. They will be there. And what you do when you meditate is when you become aware that you're thinking, you return to your other focus. So here's a focus I teach now and that I actually do now. And it goes like this. You have, everyone does, we all have our physical bodies, but around our, surrounding our physical body is an energy body. It's called the subtle physical body. And that's where acupuncture works. Yoga, you know, if you've seen those charts in yoga studios, it has seven different energy centers, the seven chakras. And this is relevant because I do, and I teach uh, chakra meditation. So just beneath the uh, belly button, well, actually, there's the, the, the very root of the spine is the root chakra. A few inches above, you have a, another one that's more associated with sexual energy. And then right around the belly button, you have one that's associated with power. And if you take martial arts, you will find that your comes from that section. Then you have a, another center right in the center of your chest. That's your heart. You have another one right around the center of your throat, just as your neck meets the shoulder area, right in the center there. That's uh, intuition, seeing. Then going up, you have the third eye. That's your, uh, I think I wear sixth chakra. And then you have the, the crown chakra above the head. So, these are actual energy centers, and they've been known for a long, long time, and, and I teach focus on those. I'm having this question in my mind right now, then what is the relation of chakras with meditation? As a listener to this podcast, I want to know, Liz, that how should I 
meditate in the right way if tm transcendental meditation may not be the right way then how should i meditate okay well and i i actually teach this once a week i i just started having an open class every thursday at 6 p.m. pacific on a zoom meeting what i will what i'll teach is start start here i'll give you the instructions these are not secret by any means okay so you sit up straight and you close your eyes and you take the gaze of your mind and focus it intently just first press your belly button maybe two fingers below your belly button that's your power center and picture a beautiful orb of sunflower yellow light there and it's pulsing out it's pulsing out with beautiful rays of light gorgeous sunflower light hold your mind there with that visualization that's your power center and do that for 3 or 4 minutes okay just eyes closed and of course your mind's going to wander a bit but ignore the thoughts to the extent remember that word ignore just keep back to that focus because what you're doing is actually opening the power center and after just 3 or 4 minutes you can keep a watch nearby if you'd like raise your awareness right to the center of your chest and to find the center of your chest i think we anyone on this call can do this now just take your index finger and point to the center of your chest and say me you will land right in the middle that's your heart center now for the second part of this meditation you're going to take your focus of the mind focus intently as you can right there in the center of the chest where you have this beautiful soft gorgeous robin's egg blue light and it's pulsing out it's like a round orb shiny happy and very strong really right there at your heart center and focus there you can picture your heart opening as you focus there and try to hold your mind there with no other thought and if thoughts come in and out don't worry about it just go back to your focus on this heart center so now we've done power we've done heart and then we bring our awareness up for the last 4 minutes of the meditation or 5 right to the center of the forehead and in india and other places this is known as your third eye you can touch any of these places too get your mind right in the right spot and there you want to picture a beautiful bright white light so picture that pulsating out pulsating out pulsating out and do that for about 5 minutes and then when you're done and you've completed that meditation you've done 15 minutes with focus on your power center your heart center and your third eye these are all chakras along the area of your spine and now you're going you'll take a deeper breath or two don't just jump right out of meditation you know you might want to stretch a little bit take a deeper breath or two if you can don't get right into your most intense stuff don't hop right into email <laughs> give it a give it a few minutes let it integrate I always like to end a meditation with just a feeling of like little bow, like little gratitude for whatever there is that's positive. And then you can open your eyes. If you like, create a little spot in your room so that when you open your eyes you see something you really like. Maybe just some flowers, just a plant, something that's nice and bright. So you're creating throughout this positive 
atmosphere. And you can also uh, meditate to music. There's meditation music out there. I I like a band called Zazen, Z-A-Z-E-N. I think almost all their albums are incredibly great for meditation. But again, this is this is how I teach basic meditation. I just yes, this is beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Would you recommend this focused or chakra based meditation to any beginner? Yes, actually, I would because this was taught to me, you know, years ago by my Buddhist teacher, and he said that this is a technique that used to not be taught to beginners, but the world is so, so <laughs> it's so messed up that we can't just close our eyes and experience inner stillness. We're mostly experiencing all the static that's out there, the noise, <laughs> the thoughts is. and feelings of other people. So this is a more high-powered, I just gave you and anyone listening a more high-powered technique, but you can do it there will be only like beautiful things that arise from it. And the same thing is really true no matter what your technique is. So let's say you find someone else and they say, just focus on the breath. Well, that's fine. Uh, I think you can do that for a certain point, but when you keep meditating and you get into deeper states, there is no breath. So that's, <laughs> that's going to give out, but it can help you. And sometimes when I want to start meditation, because I could teach you eight ways right now, sometimes when I want to start meditation, and particularly for mindfulness, I love just taking a break and focusing. Just take a few deep breaths and focus on it so that all you are thinking or focusing on is is the breath itself, the sound, the feeling of breathing in. So it's, I'll, let's do yes. this right now. Let's just take a deep breath right now from your solar plexus, from actually your navel center. Move it all the way up to your third eye and then just slowly exhale it while all you're thinking about and feeling is breathing. Let's do it again. Solar plexus, inhale through the nose, up to the third eye, and then exhale again. And inhale. And exhale. Now, if you just were focusing on your breath that whole time and that sensation, you, you cleared your thought. And if you had a whole bunch of emotions and things and angers and concerns and anxieties, everything going before that, you probably have gone a long way to just straightening that out and just it's gone. Yes. And that shows you the real nature of some of that, because the more you meditate, the more you realize that all these things that have sort of come over you and gripped you, they're not even you. They're these passing like phantasms almost uh, that you believe in completely at the time. But once you can step back and feel some stillness, the grip is no longer there. And actually, that's when you can see more clearly if something is real, if it really belongs to you, if you should be going in that direction, if you should be sometimes spending time with a person. I mean, you start to have enough stillness inside that you can react more accurately. So... Anyway, breath is, is another form of meditation. If you find meditation music that you find uplifting, 
And if it doesn't uplift you, it's not meditation music. So again, I check out the band. Uh, there's two bands, Zazen. They both do meditation music. The one I'm talking about is was their first. Canyons of Light. Google Canyons of Light. Google Mandala of Light by the band Zazen. That should, that'll get you right there. And any of those albums, the songs are about four minutes. So you can take your meditation practice and have each chakra. So we did power center, heart center, third eye could be associated with each of those songs. And that makes it really nice and easy. You can also meditate. Let's say your mind is all over the place. Fine. It happens to all of us all the time. Then you can just, Nishant, focus on the notes of the music. Make that your focus. Just, it's a whole, it's fabulous, actually. so much fun. And then, if it's true meditation music, you can focus on the stillness between the notes. So what does all this have in common? It is focus and intensity. So it's not just sitting on the beach. I love sitting on the beach, but it's not. (laughs) Meditation is, requires and to get, you know, just to have a nice time with it. Of course, it requires a little bit of intensity. And that was a difference too. the TM thing. We all said, well, it's so easy and natural. Well, on one hand, it is easy and, and for sure it's natural. But we in our society, we live in an overcrowded planet. And probably, you know, a thousand years ago, if we were exposed to meditation in a beautiful rural environment, with a wonderful teacher and all cleanness around us. We could meditate without any difficulty, but now the common experience, and don't be discouraged just to have tons of thoughts and take quite a while to get to any point where you feel <clears throat> that you're settling your thoughts down, but don't worry about it because by even trying, by starting your meditation, in the way I just described with the focus on the different chakras or energy centers, that will lead you. I think you'll have start like me within a few weeks, you'll start noticing this different, beautiful energy bubbling up. Yes. And thank you so much for explaining all deep dive into meditation. I appreciate that. My pleasure. And I want to ask you about what advice would you give to an 18-year-old? Oh, wow. I would say we're entering a new era. It's, it's going to be challenging. You are, you are up for the challenge. Expect to be brave and innovative. And I would also say if you want your foundation, learn, learn to meditate, because that doesn't even have to be something you always talk about. You're that, you know, you, but just, just make it your habit where you have the meditation and mindfulness. It will help you always. And I would say that if you're looking and you don't know your career yet, just another hint here. So my Buddhist teacher, and this was now, you know, a while ago, he really liked computer science and he liked it for people who are artists, for guitar players, everybody, all the yoga people, all the people doing physical therapy. 
he liked that profession. It's a big profession. Woo, it goes all over the place. It's, it's like, it's, it's huge. But if you were, to, I would recommend to an 18-year-old who's still looking to definitely probably make that a major or minor in your school. I would advise that person to learn a lot, become educated, whether or not it's through a classic college or all the things online, you can become certified these days. But the one of the most exciting and long-lasting and well-paying places is computer science. So I think it's, you think, oh, no, I want to, you know, I'm going to form a band. It's fine. Don't, you don't have to stop. <laughs> but I think that the technical professions, the reason my Buddhist teacher liked them is that they're mental Okay. And if you remember, we've just been talking, and I just told you that meditation does require some focus. And therefore, a mental profession will always help you more to do that uh, than something where, let's say, massage therapist, and you're sort of just out there and you're touching somebody and you're absorbing their thoughts and feelings. Not really the best. It's, you know, I understand the kindness involved, but I wouldn't recommend it. So, you're 18, I would go for something technical because it will help you the rest of your life. And as far as money, yes, make it. There's nothing unspiritual about money. Money is the energy line of our time. And so you want to be, or I, it's like something he once said, that you cannot be too rich or too educated. And here's why, Nishan, if you're, that's, if you're just a nice idealistic or spiritual or whatever person, and you find yourself being successful through whatever means, and you have excess money, what are you going to do with that excess money? The chances are you're going to be helping people. There are so many ways online now that I know I look at them all the time and I go, how? Gee, if I have any extra, I'm putting it toward this group that's formed, that's helping a situation that I really care about. And I couldn't do it if I didn't have the money. And so if 18, I would adjust myself, okay, I'm starting my life as an adult. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to practice mindfulness. That will help me have my intuition be really sharp and discriminate between people who are meaning well, but <laughs> they're not balanced. So you, you're just going to start to make your path and Consider computer science because it's really fabulous. It'll help you anywhere you are. And be optimistic because anything we're going through right now will pass. There's many incredible, exciting things ahead, in my opinion. I also totally believe this will pass. If, if, and be patient but smart. Be astute and have fun. And with all that, I think it's a great time to be 18. Yes. And meditation is one of the mindfulness practices for sure. So do you have any other mindfulness practice in your life that you do every day or occasionally? Yes. Well, mine, as I mentioned, the, the mindfulness practice I have is just, because you can even do it while driving, is to simply stop and breathe and focus on my breath because it breaks Mindfulness usually comes up because you're getting mad or you're getting uh, 
feeling drained or you're getting afraid. So it's a mental pattern that you want to break. So just that mindfulness, which is more in the moment, meditation is enduring over time. Mindfulness is when you're in a situation where you want to get back into that quietness. So for me, first thing is breathing. Second thing, though, is things like a little bit of exercise. So I truly do, if I, if it is practical, and it isn't always, but if I'm by myself, I will drop right on the floor and do push-ups. <laughs> you know what? No, <laughs> How many push-ups? Yeah, and jumping jacks, I mentioned those two, because what either of those do is it completely breaks your whatever you were doing before. How many push-ups do you do? Oh, me, 15 if I'm lucky. But that's because, you know, I'm not all, <laughs> 15 is plenty. Jumping jacks, more like, you know, what, 50 at least, maybe 100. But I just, what I'm trying to do is build my energy, life force back up and if you have another mindful thing for some people is just going to the gym and working out, working out your home. I love yoga. I take an online yoga class every morning now at eight because it's, it's, I I'm happy. It's on zoom. You guys, I bet you could get online anybody watching this and find things you like there. I see online, I see exercise classes. I see dance classes. These are forms of mindfulness because what they do is they break your routines. And routines are routines that repeat over and over the same food, the same places, the same this. They literally, it's like a boat. You put barnacles Autopilot. on the bottom, right? And you can't go as fast. So by breaking your routines a lot, always, you'll be constantly feeling fresh energy. So I, again, if you find a yoga class you like, go with it. If you find three yoga classes, just keep finding ones at different times that work for you. But don't feel like you're stuck. Because if anything, I would say what has happened with everybody staying at home and all of us getting back, you know, or on Zoom, what's happened for me is that I have found new people. I have found new classes. I'm, I've found that when we we're, we're, we actually couldn't even form these communities that are all over the, certainly the U S or where we're calling from people often turn on their video at one point at the end or something and say hello to each other. And you start to feel like, wow, I'm meeting some new friends. My point here is that Breaking routines builds energy. It's part of mindfulness. Exercise builds energy. And if you really, you should not be watching Netflix and TV every night. There's a, so many new things you can be doing, books. And you, I don't believe you should be watching the news much. This is and also- speaking of speaking of books, I would love to ask you, what books have inspired you in your life? If any, oh, any gosh. book or books comes to your mind. You know, I'm a little bit of a, a wonk on that. So I love um, reading books about advanced spiritual teachers. <laughs> if you go, there's like the life of Milarop or, you know, this Ramakrishna and his disciples by Christopher Isherwood. Those to me are go-to books. 
For new books, I really love Surfing the Himalayas by Frederick Lenz. That was a beautiful, very concise parable about, you know, higher states of awareness and teachings. I currently am reading a a bunch of little Buddhist books and books that, honestly, I can't say they totally are, I'm trying to think. What did I read that really inspired me? You know, I enjoyed recently reading Zen Entrepreneurship, which came out a little while ago by an author named Riz Virk, V-I-R-K. There, so I like reading things that kind of are either inspirational or kind of a bridge with spiritual things and practical. Would you mind talking about anything that you have learned from your favorite books and that you might have applied in your personal and professional life can be anything. What have I learned? Yep. From those books. Well, the first thing in the first category of books, the books about advanced spiritual teachers or just advanced masters of spirituality. I actually started learning that when I was 16. That's probably the precursor to my starting meditation. When I read autobiography of a yogi, by Paramahansa Yogananda, what I learned is that there are actually advanced states of awareness. And there are magical powers. They seem magical, but they're very routine when you have achieved a certain state of awareness. And that's what I learned from age 16 forward. And then I found it repeated over and over again in the stories from different religions of uh, different seekers, some of them very just simple, who truly had inspiration and and faith and believed, and they found themselves in these states of consciousness that are luminous and higher and speak of enlightenment. What I learned about from this set of books, which I recommend, is enlightenment. You can achieve it. It's out there. It's, It's in the range of human endeavor. And in our world, that's so, like, fell off the map somehow. But when you get to these consistent books, each enlightened person is completely different. That's another thing I loved about them is that you don't find that there's one way or one path. It's many different people will experience higher states of awareness differently, but it is possible. So that's the first thing I learned. The other things that inspires me from these other couple of books of, of which, you know, we can go on, I have a huge library, but it that inspires me is that you can use your career and you can use uh, your daily life for growth. So that is definitely part of practice. So you use, how do you use your career? Well, whatever you're doing, whatever it may be, the way to do that is to do the best job you can. Let's say you're a librarian. Just keep your mind focused. Don't worry about anything you're worried about. When you're doing your job, focus on each you know, book, putting it in place, making it impeccable. Make it your meditation practice. If, you do, if you're working at a store, I know there's many distractions, but do the same thing you can where you're just trying to do your very best. It's, it's the best groceries you can pick the best arrangement you can do, that's your mental, that's for you. That's your mental ability to do that. And so the books I read tend to 
emphasize that in different ways. And that was what, so surfing the Himalayas is about that. It's about snowboarding. And it's and about using snowboarding say, yeah. for higher awareness. You say that, don't worry about the things if you are working in a store or if you're a librarian, just being focused on your work and do your best. Don't you think worrying about the future, worrying about our life is natural phenomenon of human beings? It is a natural phenomenon for the wandering mind. And it's one of those things where you want to practice mindfulness. Because you know what, Nishant, you can worry about it all you want. It's not going to change much. <laughs> it's not going to actually, instead of worry, well, let's put it this way. I think it's good to have strategies and to plan ahead. Uh, one good way is to go from solstice to equinox, equinox to solstice, but to worry about something that's going to happen you know, even six months ahead. So just for example, you know, we're in the U.S., we know we're in a messed up time. I look ahead, let's say, to the election time, and I go, wow, that's going to be, what a mess. <laughs> but I can't say that I'm going to worry about it. In fact, my job as a meditating person is to do the opposite. My job is to put out a positive vibration that says, I'm going to, when I think about the election and or my future, instead of worrying about it, I'm going to be optimistic, purposely. My mindfulness is I'm going to be positive. I wish good things, the best. I, I wish the best candidate to win. I wish the best healing to happen for our country and all the people in it. I wish that the best economic results will come about. And I'm not just wishing it, as I say, that I'm actually feeling it, I'm picturing it. And I think that's my job, as well as being practical, of course. You should have things in your back pocket that your skill set, and you should make that as perfect as possible. But you find that when you're being mindful in these ways I've described, and making your work part of your practice, your energy level will build up to a new level that it hasn't been before. And when that happens, you can do some of these things I'm talking about, which is don't worry about the future. It's truly a waste of energy. You'll notice you feel lower energy afterward. Why? Because you're projecting into this sort of stockpile of other people also worrying needlessly because they cannot really impact it. The only way you can impact the future is by doing positive things, by being healthy yourself, putting a smile on your face and sharing that with other people, but still communicate, do what you believe in. It doesn't mean you wouldn't go to a protest if you are socially distant and wear your mask. It means that you, while you go, you have the right anticipation. You're going to be part of something positive yeah, I'm just telling you something true, that there's a spectrum. And you should stay to the side of the spectrum that's on the positive and not dip and to the negative side. Why? It's only, at the end of the day, your ability to achieve and be and go into higher states of awareness. That's not selfish. That's the most un that's selfless. Because the more you do that, the more you have an impact at a higher level on yourself and everybody you know and every cause you believe in.
Yes, definitely. Liz, you are the award-winning author of three books, American Buddhist Rebel, Woman, Meditation and Power, and your third book is The Power of the Loving Man. What was your motivation to write all these books? Well, I, I wrote American Buddhist Rebel first. That took me a long time. That was a 15-year effort because I was interviewing all these people. And I had an advanced teacher, and I knew that one person, including me, for sure, didn't have a point of view. So my goal there was just to tell a true, fair story of what a teacher's life is like. And I know a lot of people will never encounter a teacher of that quality or or even of that and have all the experiences that I and all these other people did. So that was a, t- a, t- a book to share. It was just really to say, I had an incredible and exceptional experience, and I want to share it with others. So that was the first, that was American Buddhist Rebel and is. People love it. It's, it, won, it won the awards that I submitted it for, literary awards. And I'm very, I'm very happy and proud of it because I think I stepped aside. You won't feel too much of me. It's, my experiences are in there, but so are so many others. And so it, it really creates a, a feeling, American Buddhist rebel, a feeling about meditation, mindfulness, adventurousness, being a rebel. Do not be a spiritual conformist. Black, you know? That's What's the, what is the difference between rebel and spiritual conformist? Um, a creative conformist? And a, well, I think a spiritual conformist, to me, learns one way to meditate, is a very, you know, piggy about it, like, my way is better, and <laughs> gets into a group, never leaves the group. That... It, it, it's very comforting in one way, but in another way, it by definition, conformity sets in. So that to me, a spiritual conformist says, my way is the best way. I'm not open to any other way I'll ever learn. And I think for me, spirituality is an ongoing adventure. In yes. Zen, it's called beginner's mind. And beginner's mind is the idea that you are always like a beginner, and you're open to new things. And so the beginner's mind is the opposite, is, is that rebel mind is always discriminates. Okay, so again, I, I want you guys to watch your back, discriminate, but don't feel that there's one right way. If I have to put on the orange robe, orange robe means, to be honest with you, nothing. The orange robe means a commitment. It does. I won't say it means nothing, but doesn't necessarily mean high states of awareness or even advanced meditation. That would depend on the person. So I don't want to just there actually orange robes. I just don't want to say that uh, you can need one. And by the way, so let me get back a little bit, though, if you don't mind, Nishant. I wanted to say that the t- one of the early teachings of my Buddhist teacher was about women and men. So he went, he did teach that women are innately powerful. That's their 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 strongest life current is life force flows more rapidly in their beings in their in their subtle physical so they are the power gender but that's been suppressed for thousands of years and part of the imbalance we see right now in fact he said the core of the imbalance is that men have dominated women and men are not suited necessarily for power and change 
So I define power as fluidity and change. Men's subtle physical is it just doesn't pulsate like that. It's much it's more it's it's more grid like, a little more it's beautiful, golden lines of network light, but it is not rushing fast power like you would find in a female energy system. That's what think- he taught. Well, most men and women today, generally speaking, I mean, there's much more openness, I think, about this as well in some areas, but most men have a wrong idea about masculinity having to do with domination and control. And also most men, you know, even over today, the age, I'd say, of 20, 25, were brought up to repress their emotions and feelings and that if they stray too far into emotions and feelings, there's something weird or wrong about it. But that's exactly the opposite of what is true. Men are brilliant at emotions and feelings, and they actually will find more power in expressing them than they could imagine. That's a power yes. level for men. Then what would be the right way to have masculinity if it is not domination and control? Then how can we cultivate a proper masculinity in our life? It would be to explore not just romantic love, because I, when I said the power of the loving man, I actually was thinking universal love rather than, but if you, you could just start by feeling more a man, be more open with feelings of gratitude, be more open with feelings of respect, feel, be more, I mean, literally open with feelings like of awe, like, wow, that is so beautiful. But don't just drop it or try to hide. Be more open to doing all these very things that, you know, were associated with femininity in a negative way in the person's mind. Those are probably wonderful areas to explore. And also to realize that, by ever trying to dominate a female, they're actually earning pretty bad karma because a female, women have been, again, for centuries, brought up to sort of play along with that and to sort of hold up a man's power level to make him feel this sort of level that he actually isn't. So if if you are in any way in the very, and you've, let's say you've had, many lifetimes doing this, think of a woman as an inferior person in any way. You're holding her down and you're holding by nature, your karma is you're holding yourself down because you're in a low, lower mind state if you feel that way. So yeah. both men and women have to do a fair amount on this to root out all this programming. It's like we buy a, cum- a computer that's programmed. <laughs> so I would say that most men... And also the media doesn't help. It's still, it's getting better, but it still projects an an image there. So I think what we just, for men to be more masculine, I, I give all these techniques in the book, The Power of the Loving Man. It's not a long book, it's, but it's pretty intense in terms of saying, you know, these are some things you should do. And it's all about feeling more love and loving kindness. And some, I, I say... You can start just, you can hide away and just start feelings, feelings of love, like you can love your keyboard, okay? You take it, I mean, I'm just wanting people to get more, men to have more feelings in their heart now. They love your keyboard, just love your mouse, love your, 
because people are my are harder sometimes. So start with just pumping up a sense of love, appreciation, and very associated with kindness. So the being in that was, see if you can find and feel as part of your mindfulness, emotions that you're feeling like, oh, I'm going to shut that one down. Emotions of sadness or loss. I would go into those emotions at this point, if you're a man, maybe more than you even would, right? Yes. Overdo it because you have nothing to lose. And you don't want to be, respect the power level of women and don't fall for, oh, you're the masculine guy, makes all the decisions. She may believe that, but it's really not good for her. (laughs) And... It's yeah, not really good I for think you. This is a very broad discussion that we can definitely get into this discussion some other time. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, this, is, this has been a great conversation, Liz. So before we conclude our conversation, do you have any closing thought or any advice or any suggestion for our listeners? Well, you know, I have my website and my website has a contact page, and it's www.lizlewinson.com. And I'm going to put my meditation class that I'm teaching on Zoom there. But I would love for everybody to go out on Amazon and look for The Power of Loving Man. If you search under last, my last name, you'll get to my books, Liz Lewinson. Yeah, and I will put all the information in the blog notes so that our listeners can learn more about your work and... Yeah. Everyone will start to meditate and explore and have beautiful adventures. Every every age, it's not too late. <laughs> Thank you so much, Liz. It was wonderful. Okay. Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode today. If you did enjoy this, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or you can visit https colon slash slash nishangarg.me n-i-s-h-a-n-t-g-a-r-g dot me you can also share this episode with your loved ones to help them live a fulfilled life you are not alone in this journey we all struggle in life there is no shame in talking about it i go through my highs and lows i get depressed and these practices help me in living a resilient life you can also do this you've got this don't judge yourself you are doing the best you can and thank you so much again. Okay.